Hey, Chris from the Mighty Decibel, welcome back. It's Monday, so it's usually time for our new release Monday episodes, but since we have five Mondays in August, uh, we get to fill in uh, one of those Mondays with a discography review, and we're going to be doing Ireland's uh, biggest export, greatest anyway, Thin Lizzy. Uh, so as usual, when we do these uh, discography reviews, we'll review each album chronologically, we'll grade them, uh, we'll listen to the odd tracks so you get uh, a sense of the evolution of the band's sound. And uh, uh, just a heads up here, <laughs> as uh, you listeners know, I'm a headbanger, hard rocker, hardcore uh, so uh, some of the old school Thin Lizzy fans that believe it, uh, you know, every single one of their albums is uh, God's gift are not going to appreciate or agree with some of my, my analysis, but that's fine. Let's get her going. So an inauspicious start to the Thin Lizzy story with a confused and confusing self-titled debut from 1971 where we find Phil Lynott on bass vocals, Eric Bell on guitar, and Scott Downey on drums. So opener The Friendly Ranger at Clantorf Castle is a perfect example of the album's confused state, uh, the track being initiated by some sort of art rock with a Lynott spoken word before changing into a psychedelic light prog rock turd. Just terrible <laughs> and unconsumable, actually. So elsewhere we get acoustic fare, some light jamming sections, some psychedelia, and the odd lead guitar ramblings. So altogether it lacks any level of aggression, making it difficult to consider as a rock album, let alone a hard rock album. So sure, yeah, it's great that this introduces the world to the vocal genius of Phil Lynott, and uh, look what the, uh, the wind blew in and Irie at least approached something we would call hard rock. But there's no hiding that this uh, mess of tangled wires doesn't display any of the strengths that we would come to expect from the Dublin-based unit. So altogether, it's too mellow, psychedelic, and boring for a metalhead uh, or even a hard rocker to embrace. Uh, this uh, debut was destined for the discount bin right from the start. So hence, Thin Lizzy joins the ranks of many legendary bands who have issued uh, ineffectual debut albums, uh, referred Deep Purple, Rainbow, Judas Priest, and the like. Uh, take a listen to The Friendly Ranger of Cardiff Castle. The Friendly Ranger paused, and scooping a bowl of beans, spreading them like stars, falling like justice on different scenes. I'm damned, indeed comrade, I'm being bombed, and all the people's faces turn strawberry blonde. By the morning gate, the friendly... The stumbling in the dark era continues, as unperturbed by the deserved lack of success of their debut, the trio issued their sophomore Shades of a Blue Orphanage one year later in 1972. So this is definitely an improvement, uh, being less head-scratching and maintaining a modicum of aggression to earn at least rock album status here. Uh, Alliance vocals also sound normal, uh, less artsy, more straightforward in its delivery. Well, that said, uh, there's still a number of lighter-than-fluff tracks, uh, some acoustic fare, flamenco references, just, just an overall lack of killer instinct for those requiring decibels in their oral pleasure. 
Uh, slight improvement over the debut, but still sounds dated. Nothing worth checking out for the average headbanger. I give this album a 3 out of 10. some stumble forward yet again in 1973 with Vagabonds of the Western World. Uh, wildly inconsistent here. On, on one hand, you have some of the band's best Bell-era tracks and the opening slide guitar-drenched, quo-inspired Mama Nature Said, uh, the retrospective Little Girl in Bloom, and The Rocker, the band's first straight-up banger. 
There's also some engaging lead guitar work here, a definite upgrade from the past two albums. But on the other hand, though, the band continues to display a stubborn habit of mixing many different musical styles, uh, be it funk, Celtic, Motown, rock, progressive, symphonic. I'm making it extremely hard to want to listen to this in full, so call me a dull-witted uh, headbanger, an unwashed, single-minded hard rocker, or a musical simpleton, but this just sounds like a band throwing whatever they had in their back pockets against a wall to see what will stick. Not much does. Uh, I call this clueless. I'll give it a 4 out of 10. Uh, but thankfully, the Bell era ends in 1974 with Nightlife, where Scott Gorham and Brian Robertson take over the guitar chores. Uh, but the confused ones, uh, regardless, press ever on with another all-called diverse platter, <laughs> guaranteed to frustrate rockers with his insistence on mixing metaphors. Here delving into uh, funk, Motown, country rock, piano show tune, and the blues, amongst other references. Uh, if I want a history lesson in musical genres that I'm not interested in, this is where I would go. Uh, that said, there are a few tracks that uh, you can extract from this. The opening She Knows, with its reference to Southern Rock, the short country rock instrumental Banshee, and the funky hard rock Shalala. Uh, bottom line, though, despite the inclusion of the two guitars, Thin Lizzy on record remain frustratingly tame and timid. I give this another 4 out of 10.
go forward one year to 1975 and out comes fighting which introduces the world to the Gorham Robertson twin harmony guitar sound that would make them semi-famous. So overall aggression levels here have risen perceptibly, albeit not up to full headbanger level, but uh, the sound and the sound is also less diverse, allowing the quote unquote thin Lizzy sound to come to the fore. So it also includes two of the band's best tracks, the eminently catchy Rosalie and the funky headbanger Suicide, along with a host of uh, deep album tracks like Fighting My Way Back, Wild One, King's Vengeance, Ballad of a Hard Man, and they go down to the southern states for the muted bo boogie of Silver Dollar. So finally, a Thin Lizzy album with more good tracks than bad. Uh, so fans seem to agree as Fighting was the first album to chart, landing at number 60 in the UK. I give this a 6.5. So then uh, the upward trajectory continues as the lads issue Jailbreak in 1976, the best-selling record of their discography going gold in the U.S. off the strength of two singles, the, the Boys Are Back in Town and the title track. Uh, so uh, deeper in the album, we get perennial live fave cowboy song, the Tough Warriors, and most importantly, Emerald, an epic Celtic track with a monstrous guitar performance. So that said, uh, this is not a perfect record though. It's inclusion of the middling Running Back and Romeo and the Lonely Girl, as well as the yawn-inducing light fluff of Fight or Fall bringing the package down. But regardless, Thin Lizzy had solidified their sound here, added a handful of live staples, and finally garnered some critical and fan acclaim, something the band needed at the time given the record label was considering letting them loose as a result of their lack of record sales up to the point. So think of Jailbreak in the same terms as Rush's 2112, both albums saving the respective band's career. I give this an 8. Down from the glen came the marching men With their shields and their swords To fight the fight they believed to be right Overthrow the overlord Where there was plenty They brought plunder, swords and flame When they left the town was empty And children would never play again
The jailbreak tour was cut short as, as a result of Lynott coming down with hepatitis. But undeterred, the band used the downtime to write and record Johnny the Fox, which came out later the same year in 1976. So containing 10 new tracks, we get three top-notch tough rockers, uh, Rocky, Don't Believe a Word, and Massacre. Uh, two other half-decent rock ditties, uh, Johnny and Boogie Woogie Dance, uh, which open and close proceedings. But reverting to previous form, though, the band fill out the rest of the album with a variety of styles. There's retrospective rock, dance hall ballad, light rock, and we even get to revisit the Shaft-style funk rock last found on Fighting, yippee. So worse that rainy day gray production doesn't help matters washing this album out further. A, a definite regression in sonic ferocity, making this a dreary record to imbibe. So in the end, they squandered the momentum built from their hit jailbreak release, the Irish unit succeeding in confusing punters with too diverse a musical palette for the general rock fan, at least in the States. So whereas jailbreak hit numbers 10 and 18 on the UK and US album uh, charts respectively, Johnny the Fox fell hard in the US to number 52, albeit they um, attained a number 11 spot in the UK. Uh, so just a note here that many critics and fans hold this album in high esteem due to the very elements that detract, in my opinion. Those folks championing the diversity, claiming that it shows the band's versatility. Whatever. I give this a 6.5. So a hand injury then limits uh, Robertson's input to the next album, uh, 1977's Bad Reputation, to three tracks. But immediately, the more punchy production becomes obvious, uh, provided by producer Tony Visconti. Very welcome surprise, uh, waking up a portion of their fan base uh, left uh, snoozing by the dreary Johnny the Fox. So side one is easily the band's best side of plastic to that point. Uh, the melodic hard rocker opener Soldier of Fortune gives way to the top flight funk rock title track. Then there's the straight up hard rock of Opium Trail. Uh, with the smooth and memorable Southbound finishing off the side. Not sure why the latter wasn't a radio hit. And then on to side two. Things take a downturn with the Van Morrison-like Dancing in the Moonlight with its snapping fingers and sacks. Uh, I'll take a pass, thanks. However, the band uh, right the ship at Pronto with one of the heaviest tracks of their discography to that point uh, in the absolutely stellar Killer Without a Cause wailing track there. Uh, the boys can't help themselves, though, returning to the realms of the light and dreary with the middling downtown sundown. Uh, things re remain distinctly less than hard, uh, rocking with the that woman's gonna break your heart. Uh, but at least that one ha ha is catchy and has uh, some heart to it, a good track. The album is closed out on a who cares sort of note uh, with the plaintive light rocking of Dear Lord. So yeah, Side 2 doesn't come close to the brilliance of Side 1, but there's still enough quality to rate this album the equal uh, to Jailbreak, in my opinion. I'd even argue that this should have been the album to follow Dale, uh, Jailbreak. So the fans seem to agree, as it garnered an impressive number 4 placement in the UK, and even saw an upturn in the States to number 39. I'd give this album an 8.
Onwards we go to 1979 when the band issued Black Rose, a rock legend, where Robertson is replaced by Gary Moore, who, uh, who joins Scott Gorham at the dual guitar slot. Uh, additionally, Tony Visconti retains the producer role, again providing the band with a tough sound that worked so well on the previous Bad Reputation platter. So highlights here uh, would be opener Do Anything You Want, an upbeat rocker with a patented twin guitar sound we all love. Uh, there was the loping and catchy waiting for an alibi, uh, the gotta get off the booze diddy got to give it up, and the bass dominated get out of here. However, clearly the best track here has to be the beyond epic title track with its unforgettable extended Celtic flavored guitar work. One of the best songs of the whole Lizzie discography and one of Hard Rock's top 100 tracks in, in my opinion. That said, the other four tracks aren't anything to write home about. There's the light Sarah, albeit elevated by a fine line at vocal. Uh, with love, a light rocker, and Shaft makes yet another unwelcome visit on the funky S&M. So when the smoke clears, Black Rose signals a minor decline in overall song quality compared to Bad Reputation, uh, but still superior to Johnny the Fox. I give this a 7. As a side note, the album was uh, welcome with open arms in the UK, hitting number two on the charts, their highest ever charting. 
Uh, however, the U.S. turned their backs on it as it limped to a number 39 placement. into what I'm going to call the underrated era, uh, the majority of the paying public ignoring the band's last three more than worthy albums. Uh, in fact, I'd argue that this is Thin Lizzy's best era. So 1980s Chinatown, we see another change at the guitar slot with more leaving, being replaced by session artist Snowy White. 
Uh, so for those who give uh, Chinatown a chance, they would hear the band's best side of music to date, uh, narrowly edging out side one's uh, uh, bad reputation. So Chinatown side one included tough rockers with melodic choruses in We Will Be Strong and Sweetheart, uh, the speedy Sugar Blues, and two dramatic upbeat rockers in Killer on the Loose and the title track, A Perfect Thin Lizzy Side. Uh, side 2 ain't too shabby either. There's the bass amplified having a good time as well as genocide, uh, the latter bemoaning the senseless killing of buffalo in North America. Uh, the concluding didn't and hey you aren't quite up to the quality of the initial seven tracks but don't embarrass the band regardless. So critics and longtime fans complain about the lack of diversity of material here being too blunt and obvious, but hard rockers and metalheads rejoiced that the band jettisoned the wimpy influences and laid a smackdown on record, which we all knew they had in them given the band's incendiary live show. Their best album up to that date, in my opinion, I'd give it a 9. Uh, Note, uh, did well in the UK, hitting number 7, but slid to number 120 in the States. Mm.
following year in 1981 out comes renegade so reacting to complaints about the blockhead sound of chinatown there's a major upgrade in sound here immaculate and headphone worthy the, the rhythm section warm and throbbing line its vocals emotional and full definitely the richest sounding production job of the whole lizzie catalog uh, provided by veteran knob woodler chris sangaridis uh, so armed with the killer sound, the, the band delivers a superb set of tracks. There's the opener, Angel of Death, being the most metal-sounding uh, uh, to that point. Uh, the pressure will blow, uh, rocking like it belonged on Chinatown. Uh, the boogified Leave This Town. And one of the band's most underrated tracks, Hollywood Down On Your Luck, definitely kicking ass. So not all was in your face, though. The band delivered one of their best hard, soft tracks in, in, this, in the title track. Uh, the catchy hard rock of No One Told Him, uh, the exotic Mexican blood, and the light rocking It's Getting Dangerous. So the only mistake, uh, misstep here would be the funky fats, but let's just forget that one, shall we? <laughs> so here the band walked the fine line, uh, appeasing both sides of their audience, showing enough light and shade while retaining an aggressive edge, uh, pleasing them both memorable and catchy while catching uber uh kicking uber ass here thin lizzie seemed to have reached their apex unfortunately most of the critics and fans uh, obviously disagree with my feelings towards renegade though uh the critics complaining it being too close to the then current new wave of british heavy metal sound would make me laugh <laughs> and the fans ignoring the opus dropping to number 38 in the uk uh, their worst charting uh, there since johnny the fox and continued the slide in the U.S., landing at number 157. Regardless, this is a sumptuous record that continues to hit my death deck on a regular basis, a classic 10 out of 10 in my books.
we come to the last album of the Thin Lizzy discography, 1983's Thunder and Lightning. So out is Snowy White, seen as a square peg in the band's circular openings, uh, replaced by ex-Tigers of Pantang shredder John Sykes, sending the signal that the band was going to embrace the then burgeoning new wave of British heavy metal scene. And smartly, the band retained the services of metal producer Sangaridas, who once again delivers, this time placing the guitars up front while still ensuring that uh, one of Hard Rock's best rhythm sections and vocalists could still be discerned. And true to form, the band give us three straight-up metal tracks in the form of the abrasive title track opener, uh, the guitar-focused The Holy War, and Cold Sweat, where new boy Sykes takes center stage, easily the heaviest song of their career. Uh, Elsewhere, the listener is spoiled by the Brian Downey-led rhythmic juggernaut This Is The One, the haunting and atmospheric the sun goes down and two splendid hard rockers in someday she's going to hit back and baby please don't go so track after track not one break in quality truly one of the best hard rock albums of all time so the uk smartly picked up on the strength of the album launching it to number four spot on their charts while tone deaf uh, north americans ignored it so you, if you have not heard this, do yourself a favor and go to YouTube to check it out. I'm betting that you'll soon thereafter be finding yourself buying it. Beyond classic stuff here, 10 out of 10.
So there we have it, the end of the Thin Lizzy recording history, bringing a tear to the eye. So how many bands can you say actually had their best material at the tail end of their careers? Uh, I'm struggling to even name five. So just a crying shame. Uh, who knows what other gems we could be holding in our hands right now if the band had stuck it out and line its health didn't deteriorate so badly so quickly. Uh, regardless, let's forget that and celebrate one of the hard rocks, uh, hard rocks best acts in the knowledge that we have so many stellar albums to revisit over and over again until death do us part. So thanks for joining us, and remember to check every uh, check us out every Monday for our new release Mondays, Tuesdays are in forty minute sessions where we uh, highlight uh, forty minutes of the underrated material. Wednesday are album or concert reviews, and Thursdays are our best of uh, top tens, that sort of thing. So thanks for joining us again. Have a great one, eh? Bye.